And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Three ah! are United States Astro Robots. They come a creature of death. Oh. And they. We have come here to this planet for. One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Hello everyone and welcome to Bots, Bugs and Babes. The BB Podcast, from class to cults and all the cheese in between. The movies are BB, your entertainment is grade A. And I am your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. And again, I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Al Jay, how's it going? Well, today we've got uh, a movie back in the 50s. And again, uh, for the second time now, we're not doing a, uh, a giant uh, bug movie. This one is called Cult of the Cobra, 1955. And we'll get to it right after this. she had come to make friends with five unsuspecting young men and when she walked in the night death followed swift and violent <coughs> starring Faith Domerg, Richard Long, Marshall Thompson, Kathleen Hughes, in the eerie and fight-filled story of a cobra woman whose mission was to kill, to whom love, when it came, was strange and terrifying. You have to forget about me. You're being silly. There are things I have to do. Things I have no control over. That was the police. Carl is dead. Oh, no. Paul, what about you and Tom? Here we are! 
Tickle the Cobra was released May 30th, 1955, with an 82-minute running time. Your director is uh, Francis D. Lyon. Uh, now, Francis Lyon um, was a film editor, and he worked in TV, and uh, uh, he was a t television director and stuff like that. Um, and he uh, was a co-recipient of the Academy Award for Best Film Editing for 1947's Body and Soul. Um, your, yeah, I didn't know that either, but uh, I, I looked it up. That's what it was. So um, I don't think I've ever seen Body and Soul, 1947. It's not a, not a horror movie, obviously. Oh, is Body and Soul the one with uh, Johnny Garfield? I have no idea. Never heard of it. So um, your producer was Howard Pine and screenplay by Jerry Davis, Cecilia Maiden, and Richard Collins. Uh, with a story by uh, Jerry Davis. Now, your main star here uh, is uh, Faith DeMorgue. Now, Faith DeMorgue, of course, uh, you know, we've seen here, um, she goes all the way back into, like, even, uh, uh, you know, she was born in the 20s, obviously, but, you know, uh, she was in movies right through. And, of course, um, she's most known for uh, This Island Earth, um, It Came From Beneath the Sea, and uh, the Atomic Man again. Other, she was one of the early screen queens of the B movies. Um, and then you had um, your second actually build is uh, Kathleen Hughes. Uh, now, and then Richard Long. Now Richard Long, um, which people might remember from the show The Big Valley, and then he was on Nanny and the Professor, and then uh, Bourbon Street Beat. Um, I remember him as the Doctor in the episode of. Uh, um, Twilight Zone, where the girl's supposed to pick which body, body she, she wants, wants right. and he's he can't understand how she doesn't want this. Um, but again, another actor, uh, uh, you know, from back then. And then, of course, Marshall Thompson. Now, Marshall Thompson, um, many of you uh, will know from. I mean, he was he was he was working back in the, the even before this, but in the forties and fifties and sixties and stuff like that, right? Um, but it's from it the terror of me on space. He's the one who survives the. Uh, which is funny because he survives this too, but he survives uh, the, the the original one on the planet, and that's when they you know accuse him of murdering them because they find the bullet hole in the guy's head and whatever. Right. So, um, but uh, and then your production company, of course, is here. Universal Pictures is your production Universal International, with Universal also um, uh, being the one who uh, distributed the movie. Now, uh, by way of, uh, I didn't find a whole lot of. Uh, um, concrete evidence of how much money this movie costs. They can't right. cost much. There's not a whole lot of special effects in this movie kind of thing. Um, and, you know, what it taken, this is not like, this isn't in the same realm of like Incredible Shrinking Man or uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which were big hits. This is one of the movies that, uh, whatever the movie and the ideas and all stuff, this wasn't a financial hit uh, kind of thing. It just was another B movie that they turned out. Yeah, I'm sure the fisting was the... Uh like on on the on the old uh, albums or the old the forty fives, this was the, the B side. side. Yeah, yeah. And then this this would have been the and you know right and pull to the cobra. Yeah, you know, and, and another one of the other actors in here that everybody would remember is David Jansen, who was the fugitive on that long running TV show. Yes, uh, yeah. He's and much then, younger here, obviously. Though. Yes, yeah. So um, and then again, and like we said, it's just uh, now you're going to have a uh, you know your music. Uh, um, Irving Gertz and uh, Will Lava, Lori Mary, and then of uh, Stanley Wilson get uncredited role. Um, so, our story opens. Slender hangs illusion, fragile the thread to reality. Always the question, is it true? The truth is in the mind and the mind of man varies with time and place. The time is 1945. The place is Asia. All right, so uh, you have, <laughs> I mean, that's 
you know, with that, when I, it took this, and it was on the screen for quite a while. They wanted you to read it. You know, sometimes when you see the words on the screen, mm -hmm. it, it goes real quick. And you say, what did, what did he say? What did he say? Yeah. And I, so I read this, and I'm saying to myself, okay, um, maybe, maybe this, this, this got this, maybe it's psychological. Who knows? So, uh, shortly before shipping home from the end of World War II, six American uh, Army Air Force but they must be, well, they're Air Force, non, they're now no longer commissioned because obviously they're going home, they're officers. Explore, they're in an Asian bazaar, and they've come across a snake charmer, whose name is Daru, um, who's always looking to hustle, uh, kind of make his money, you know, kind of thing, um, who allows the men to take pictures of him holding the cobra. Uh, Paul Abel mentions that the strange cult of Lamines, how do you even say it? They're lame. It's spelled like layman's, but it's uh, Lamanese. Lamanese. Lamanese, who worship snakes and believe that the people can transform into them. Uh, Daru says quietly that for a price, which is a hundred U.S. dollars, he will let Paul see for himself. So uh, they they're supposed to meet him after being a night of sort of sitting in the bar drinking, which is funny because they're all in the bar drinking and they're now going to go to this. Basically, nothing ever is going to end well. Like this guy's going to take us to a snake ritual. Let's get drunk first. Right. Uh, so, because they think he's full, he's full of balarkey. Anyway, so, Daru takes the men to the secret uh, uh, Laminin temple, where, uh, warning them that if they're caught, that means they will be put to death. Uh, the six observe a ceremonial dance symbolizing the rescue of the, the Laminin people by the cobra goddess. As the female dancer slides back into the woven basket, uh, Nick decides to ignore the warning and takes a picture with, the, with, with a giant flash with on a it. Kodak camera. Yeah. Well, now, you know, before we get to, I mean, just before that, the uh, when they first get in, the there are two male dancers that come out, right? One with a sword. And who they both have swords. Well, no. Well, the uh, one guy comes out, and he's, 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 a, he's pretty well in pretty good shape. The other guy comes out, but they actually are fourth build in the credits, they're called the Carlsons, so they must be a team. Because well, at the end of the movie, I said, "Geez, that okay? You got Faith Demag, Richard Long, Marshall Thompson, the Carlsons. Who are the Carlsons? The dancers, right?" Oh. But the thing is, that the one thing that uh, uh, they're, they're they're fighting, and, and like Jason said, it's it's to uh, portray the uh, um, you know the, uh, the 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 cult, the girl. That that slithers out of the uh, uh, the uh, the basket. The basket is in very very tight leotard, and she slinks onto the out of the jar and bites the dancer. And it, this is one of the. It's a very erotic scene, and especially it's, for nineteen fifty five. Right. I mean, if you remember now nineteen nineteen fifty five nineteen fifty seven, you had Sun Voyager Sinbad, and you had the Snake Woman. Who comes out of the course, out of the yeah, jar? But she's actually a okay, snake, right? <laughs> remember, she was uh, she was the handmaiden. Yeah, but she's coming out, and she, that's not erotic at all. It's just okay. This is Harryhausen at his at one of his best. But this this one scene, it, I mean, it, that's like you would have uh, you know um, Raquel Welch doing that coming out of the out of out of the jar. It really was good. So uh, he takes the picture. So the temple, of course, erupts as they react in outrage, and the high priest announces. Uh, a death curse on the intruders. Now, they're supposed to be Asian, and the the uh, high priest is clearly not. Uh, when he starts, he's screaming at them. I, he's the guy from Get Smart. Yes, yes, yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. He clearly is not Asian. He's right. he's the uh, <laughs> he's the main guy from Get Smart. And the thing is, there, there's, there's typical Americans. I mean, 
They set fire to the whole place. <laughs> yeah. Just leave. Yeah. We're not going to leave. We're going to burn it down. Burn it, burn it to the ground. Uh, so Nick uh, fights to free. Um, okay. So he fights free and grabs the basket with the cobra in it. Well, okay. So it has the woman in it. That's the thing. The woman goes back in the basket. He goes and grabs the basket. It's got a woman in it. Like, is he thinking he's going to steal the woman? Like, I'm not sure what he thought he was going to do. But, of course, what's in the basket now is not the woman, but, but an actual cobra. But the cobra. Right? And, of course, the cobra bites him. Right? Um, uh, what did they serve some stuff? You just said that. Okay. They speed away in their Jeep, um, but they slam to a halt when they see Nick lying on the road and a woman standing uh, over him who silently vanishes. Uh, Tom sees that Nick is suffering from a snake bite. Uh, Paul looks worried as the empty, the empty woven basket lays in the road. So he steals the basket, runs over with the basket. The basket, the, he looks inside, and the cobra bites him. It swings into a woman. I'm not saying that the person in the basket weighed that much, but I am betting a cobra and a full-grown woman do not weigh the same amount. This isn't a Burmese python. It's a cobra. Like, cobras are not known for their massive size. And it's not like a giant cobra. It's just a regular cobra. So, anyway, uh, recovering in the... Yeah, yeah that's right. Now, now they, they take him to the hospital. Yeah. Recovering in the hospital, Nick assures his friends that he will be able to ship out the next day. As he settles in for sleep, something appears from the darkness and slips into the room through the open window. It rears up over him, and Nick screams, uh, devastated by... Okay, so it turns out to be... So they said there has to be the most the smartest cobra in the world. Well, clearly it's the woman right. getting there, and she turns into the cobra and then sneaks into his room as the cobra and kills him. Yeah, remember this is uh, this movie had a, probably had a budget of six dollars on special effects. The cobra eye view <laughs> is of the, the of the as the the window is open. Well, the nurse opens the window, right? Right, and so the cobra the you know slinks into the room, and then you have the cobra eye view. Uh, from the from the, the camera lens, right. coming to to bite him, and it gets real close. Yeah, but that was that was done pretty well. By the way, the uh, the nurse in the room is is Mary uh, Alon Hawkinson. She was the mother from them. Oh yes, okay. yes, she yes, was yes. The mother from them. Yeah, uh, and so the, she looked for me. I didn't remember. I didn't yeah, know her name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was up uh, over him. But okay, uh, where were we? Devastated by Nick's death, his friends must take their plans to ship out. Uh, Paul worries aloud that the high priest curse. Might have been more than words. The others scoff at the conversation and turn towards civilian life. Alone in the New York City apartment, Tom is startled by the... Okay, so, hang on. So, they're now all flying. But their friend just died. And they're on the plane going, Oh, he's dead. He's dead. You know, like, these, these are people they've been at war with, right? right? They're their brothers, and he's dead. All right, so the guy's eating an apple. Yeah, just... Up. And the brothers. Yeah, not quite. And the brothers <laughs> minus one brother. Yeah, yeah. well, but they're, they're not quite brothers there, but, yeah. you know, uh, where are we? So, um, alone in his New York City apartment, Tom uh, is uh, startled by the screams coming from the apartment across the passageway. He forces his way in and finds a beautiful, terrified woman named Lisa Moyer, uh, who speaks of an intruder. Tom calms her down and persuades her to spend the day with him. So, okay, yeah. Yeah, hang yeah. on. So we got to talk about this, okay. right? Yeah. So he busts in. That's Faith and Morgan there, right? And now she's clearly the, the the cobra lady, right? Kind of thing, right? And it's funny because she's like, "Don't call the cops. I don't want to make a scene. Like you're screaming at the top of your lungs." So like, she's sending mixed signals, right? And then he goes, "We're going to go spend the whole day going throughout New York City. They don't exactly go to all the hot spots in the city, right? They you know, go to all, but they do go to all the uh, all the, the, the tourist spots. Yeah. 
They showed her Wall Street. What do you go? See, no, no. Like, well, they went. Well, no. They went to. They, they said they went to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Then they went to Wall Street. Then they went. went to, they're going to now. We're going to go up and go to the Empire State Building. No, right. But they went to. What do you see at Wall Street? No, no, believe it or not, if you go down to Wall Street, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of buildings to see there. Plus, there's this humongous bull sitting in the fifties. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, but but so they're eating a hot dog and having a coffee. He's like, drink up. Right, it's hot coffee. She's trying to like you can't just power down a cup of hot coffee, but the hot dog. Yeah. Well, the thing is, when 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 Faith the uh, uh, yeah. Lisa makes the, the screams, and uh, uh, Tom, who that's that's the Marshall Thompson Marshall, uh, yeah, character. Uh, character, comes in. I, all I could think of her, they 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 pan to her her face and her eyes. You know, they clearly show that oh, I got him. I got him. And all I could think of. You've ever heard of Betty Davis eyes? Yeah. Well, no. this is this is uh, Fate Demerick's eyes. Well, no, they did the Dracula effect. Yes, they, uh, right. They, right. They, they they light only his the, eyes and the shadow eyes, right. below. It's it's the Dracula effect. <laughs> it's it's the you know the the hand in front like this you know kind of thing though. It's it's that anyway. Uh, well, we yeah, but, well, then they come well, after the day of sightseeing. They come back to the uh, to the apartment. Right, arriving home and, that evening, she invites him to the apartment, and Marshall Thompson thinks he's. He's God's gift to women, and he's going to woo her off yeah. her feet. So, and, yeah. Um, and they get it. Well, well, she's uninterested pretty much. Well, she, yeah, but, yeah. So he gives her he gives her a kiss. It's, it's as cold a kiss as you Well, can. she doesn't kiss him. She just keeps no. her mouth like right. flat. Right. He kisses her. Right. But, um, but the telling thing here is the dog knows. Yeah. The dog, because the dog's barking at her. Right. So where are we arriving home? He invites her at least to the apartment. They, and... There, she shows an interest, uh, an intense interest in the photograph of the six friends taken d- during in Asia during the war. Um, that last night, uh, Rico, uh, one of the six, locks up his bowling alley and begins to drive home. Now, so at this point, we already know that um, Paul is now going to be totally okay. So there was a girl that both Tom and Paul were interested in during the war, and I guess she was corresponding with both of them. That's Julia. Julia. Yeah. They get home. Paul's going to marry her. Tom's kind of, you know not happy with this now tom finds lisa he's like oh my god this is going to be perfect for me because i mean i like marshall thompson and all of that and he's fine as an actor but like his character here is just not very bright um so uh where are we? so rico's locking up from the bowling alley he begins to drive home in his rear view mirror he catches a sight of something moving in the back seat and it strikes him the car swerves crashes and flips over killing rico as the crowd gathered a breathless lisa slips away into the shadows um, one of which is like a co- uh, one of which is like a cobra. So one of the shadows looks like a cobra. Right, right. So um, Rico, who says that he's taking over his dad's bowling alley business, uh, he's he's obviously the uh, um, you know there at Rico's bowling alley because this is you know you know not Rico and Sons, just Rico's, uh, and they show them their earlier bowling, and then obviously they're going to. So it just kind of sets up that he's the he's the next one to die. Right, so he's number two. Right. Now the thing is. When when uh, uh, Lisa screams, uh, Marshall Thompson uh, breaks the door down to get into the get yeah. into the room, the apartment. Yeah, the yeah. apartment. Right. Lisa later on then uses her key to get into the apartment. Well, you had to break it down later again too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this door is pretty good. The door. If you break the door down, the jam is done. The lock is useless yeah. now. But yet they—that's one of the continuity things yes. that 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 bothers you. You can't—I mean, they should have had just a a, a very simple scene showing a, a, locksmith. a locksmith putting the lock back on the door. Yeah, but that, that would cost money in having someone pretend to be a locksmith. And the other thing that that you know that she's the snake 
is that cats hiss at her, and uh, after they they're they're on the street. Uh, yeah, we can get that. The far. horse, yeah. the horse, horse up. <laughs> we can get that far. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Carl and Pete, uh, who are two of the other guys from there, they're roommates. Um, host a party. Carl comes uh, starts coming on to Lisa, um, and they're dancing together. But she she's throwing herself at him on purpose. And Tom gets jealous and punches him. So Tom uh, and Lisa leave. So he makes her leave with him. The, this movie is just rife with not being okay, really, right. nowadays. But okay, but in the 50s, this was what happened. Um, and he later... Uh, so he, Tom and Lisa leave. Um, and then... Okay. So he punches his friend in the face. And everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? We're leaving, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, man. Like, it's just the like, most awkward party scene ever. I well, mean... Uh, well, again... Uh, uh, I don't obviously. I don't remember the fifties parties because I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, part right. Of it. No, I know. But when, but according it's, to my mother, it just seemed awkward. No, no. But it was, my mother said this was a because my mother, my mother hasn't seen this. But when when they would go to a party, she said, "Yeah, we had uh, we all had drinks and we danced. We had we had music going on." So that must this must have been a typical fifties okay. party. I guess so. Because I tell you the truth, any parties that we've gone to that mom and I have ever gone to. Most people are just drinking and, and, and going, listen. Yeah, not dancing. I mean, it's no, not a wedding. No, you know, even, even at a wedding. Well, at a wedding, wedding you dance. At a wedding, you dance. You dance. But, uh, you know, we didn't have record players going right, and dancing. exactly. Um, and, uh, okay, so Tom and Lisa leave, and uh, he later doubles back to return her uh, left-behind gloves. He finds that she's gone, when he fought, and he finds her sleeping on her couch. Uh, Lisa returns to the party, uh, but it's obviously over, and Carl is cleaning up. As he fixes her a drink of pouring together other drinks from other cups, which is disgusting. Um, but okay. Like, I, I'm willing to buy that that's, that's probably the most true scene in this whole movie. No, we don't have it. Oh, really good. <laughs> he's not... just finagling a drink out of that. Like, ooh, it's all backwashing. But anyway, um, a cobra is suddenly in the room. He throws the statue at it. I mean, like, he hits the cobra. But, like, out of all the things to pick up, he didn't throw the lamp. Or hit it with a chair. Right. He threw a statue that's like, I don't know, like... Ten maybe, inches? Yeah, maybe. It's not big, but he misses. <laughs> but that becomes a... That prop... I understand. I, I get that yeah. it becomes important, but well, it's like... It, but, you know, the thing is here, just before just before she comes in, uh, halfway through the movie... It's now a little little more than halfway through the movie. Yeah. Uh, and before Carl gets his comeuppance, Paul begins to have his doubts. Yeah. His premonition right, right. That, that, that there's something wrong. With, uh, with with Lisa. So after he throws the object, which is the little statue, uh, striking, he hits the snake, but the snake then lunges at him. Um, the movement directs him backwards, carrying him out an open window to his death. So but the snake bit him, and then he fell to his death. Right, So it hit, hit him, and he fell out the window. Bystanders gather as Pete returns and notices Lisa in the crowd, favoring her arm. The police uh, question Paul, um, and they take away for questioning as Lisa returns to her apartment, find, finding Tom sleeping on her couch. Uh, because there is no bigger ladies' man than Tom there to right, sleep he, on her couch. Horny dude. <laughs> he is, but he's sleeping on the couch. He, well, he had to return her gloves. Yeah, he's, he's not. Well, he had to, and, he had to open it, and he had to open the door with the yeah, key. Right, he had the key and everything else. She needs to tell him that she is in love with him, um, which is a new experience for her because she's just trying to reel him in. Okay, next morning, while Tom and Paul are having breakfast, okay. So, Haley, this is what Haley asked the question about, like, what color is her shirt? What color is his shirt? And I go, they're wearing white shirts. She's wearing a cream-colored shirt, because we're trying to see the difference between the movie, right? Um, Julia joins them. 
she's she's Paul's fiance and Tom's old girlfriend. That's what we talked before. They receive a phone call regarding Carl's death, and they take it pretty well. They think they're a friend that just died. They both take it really well. Oh, number two is number three. Yeah. I mean, people are just dropping dead all the way. They're like, all right, I guess so. They both head to the police station while Julia cleans up. Lisa then walks in the, like, so they have the back door wide open. She just walks on in. Well, it's an apartment complex. No, I understand, but you didn't, like, I guess it's the 50s, too. Like, there's no way in the world you leave your back door open like that. Just walks on in. Oh, I usually have coffee with them every morning. And this doesn't even bother Julia at all, by the way. Um... Lisa comes in, knows that Julia is looking through the book about the about cults, specifically one about transforming people into snakes, because those books are just readily available, I guess, anywhere in your apartment. Um, but Paul's super into that stuff, as she says. Um, Lisa feels threatened, and but a dry cleaner comes to drop off the shirts. Right? So you see the size of it. I mean, how many shirts There's they got in there? Good for three fifty. That's a lot of shirts. <laughs> um, which then Julia uses as an excuse to leave. Uh, uh, I, I, let me, let me back, give you a little aside here. Uh, in the in the 50s, my dad wore white shirts every yeah. day. and uh, But, but the, he wore them. He liked them a little bit starched. So we used to take them out to the, with, uh, and, uh, to the Chinese laundry. Right. And so there, was, there might be five shirts a week. So five shirts coming back would be in a package. And my grandfather used to, used to wear white shirts, so they would send them out too. So you'd have a bigger package coming back right but again i don't know how many there's, there's two guys in an in, in the apartment so that could be 10 shirts i don't know, but it's a pretty big package yes yeah, right. i'm just saying it's a pretty big package it's like this isn't like pants and he's just it's a shirt shirts. it's a lot in the package anyway uh <laughs> it's, we, gotta, we gotta believe that's all shirts in there that it looks like he's delivering a side of beef um like from the i love lucy right uh bring it in boys uh so the inspector just uh where are we here uh placed uh, and thinks that Lisa might have transformed into a cobra. Okay, so here we go. So, uh, Julia leaves. Anyway, Paul gives the police his theory about the curse placed on them and thinks that Lisa might have transformed into a cobra in order to kill them. Tom, angry about the accusation, not that this is insane, just angry that he accused Lisa of being the, the, the cobra, he leaves. The inspector dismisses the theory, so Paul requests that the toxology test be made on Carl and Rico's body. Now, that just speaks volumes. You have two guys who just died uh, of these horrific accidents, and no one thought to do a toxology write up on them. Like the guy flipped it over. Wouldn't it be nice to know if he was drunk? Drunk. Oh, I'm just saying. And maybe you might have noticed because it wasn't like he was mangled. He got two holes in his neck. The guy fell off the second, fell off the balcony. He got two holes in his neck. Now, look, I'm not saying, folks, that maybe he didn't have you know a serving fork and fell and hit himself in the neck with it, but like. He would have a serving fork in his neck. I'm just saying. I've watched enough. I've watched enough Law and Order. I understand how that stuff That's works. Course. You know. You know. Good lord. It's not like the. It's not like the. Uh, the body just all of a sudden dragged itself away. Anyway, Lisa's about to go to. Uh, okay, so they're going to. So Julia is a performer, uh, and so they. She invites um, Lisa and Tom, and obviously uh, um, Paul to the show. Lisa's about to. Lisa's about to go to, to Julia's show when Pete surprises her at Tom's apartment. He sees the scratch on her arm and insinuates that it's from, um, she's the killer of his friend because he got hit, she got cut up by the um, the statue. I couldn't remember what the heck he threw at her, right? And so she's like, "Well, I have proof. It's in my room." And then he won't he won't trust her to go in there. But then he won't go in there, and then it just gets awkward. Then she goes in there, and he doesn't bother following because she's going to somehow bring back her passport, which is going to prove that she was in a different place when this person got 
is died. Now, she magically knows when this person died, but she's going to prove she was somewhere else. And, of course, she doesn't have a passport. She turns into a cobra, right? It's, it's, it's her go-to move. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, Undertaker has a tombstone. She's got, I'm turning into a cobra. Yeah, and, and the, the view of the cobra is, is, a, is a puppet, and it could be a puppet in a hand. Yeah. But that's shot from behind. Yes. So that the, the, the shadow is on the, is on, it's, the wall. It's, it's on the wall. Uh, where are we here? Um, at the police station, Takaji report, report uh, shows that both Carl and Rico were killed by Cobra Venom. Paul and the police arrive at Tom's apartment where they find Paul's dead body and Tom no, and Lisa. Pete's, Pete's dead body. What did I say? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Pete's dead body. Paul finds Pete's dead body. Okay. Right. Right. So, but here's the problem. So now the police don't believe any of this stuff. He's like, check it. So they, like, now they got to believe that this person is turning into a Cobra. They went from thinking that Paul or Tom killed this guy who they're friends with, or even Pete killed him. Now, magically, a cobra killed him, who's a woman. Right? So they're willing to buy all this stuff. Uh, where are we here? So, um, okay, Paul calls, okay, Paul calls Tom at the theater about Pete's death. Um, he wants Tom to keep Lisa there until the police arrive. Now, this is when they leave, and he tells the guy, you stay here, call the coroner. And the guy, the cop's like, okay. And he just goes right back in. There's a dead body in the crowd. Like, right. put a sheet on it. You know, kind of thing. Like, oh, he's going to kick back. He's like, what's in the ice box here? He's like, she has ice, though. We know that because uh, Paul didn't make the ice the other scene. Uh, where are we here? Okay, so to keep her there, okay. Lisa, however, has gone into Julia's dressing room. Julia's not there yet. Right. When Julia returns, the cobra tries and fails to strike her. Now, so she's in there, and the cobra's in the closet. And out the cobra comes. Now, that's a real cobra that they're, sh they're shooting with. Now, it's been de-venomized de and whatever kind of thing. But the cobra coming out of the closet is a real cobra. You think it's a real cobra? No, no, it is. That's a cobra in there, right? Notice you never see a, any of the person. You don't see you don't see the you don't see Julia in the shot with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I there's a cobra. There's someone handling a de-venomized cobra I, in some I, of these okay. scenes. Okay, I've got to watch that again because I thought for sure I saw the the, the it was just a. A, a fake cobra coming out no. with the, with the with the string going up to the up. That's when you see her in the shot with it. When there's she's not in the shot and the shot's at there. It's a cobra coming out of something. So it's a handler. Sh someone's shooting it and they have a cobra coming out. I'm not saying it's like um like, like in okay. all the scenes, but that scene is a real cobra, and it may only be like five seconds. But then any of the, but later it's not a real cobra. Then it's a cobra on a string. Yeah, right. No, but the scene coming out it's a real. Because she's not in that she it's her back to when they when they when when it starts opening she turns and they show the shot of the the door right that's a cobra coming out that they must have shot at a zoo or with a handler who's okay. been devenomized I mean I'm watching I'm watching this with your mother no no I mean, mom says no no the other says, part where, where she's there yeah. that's a cobra on a show. Yeah. so um but so I'm saying is they don't have a lot of budget so no. they couldn't get, get a real cobra look we got one shot of real cobra let's make it pay off right. At least they didn't reuse the shot. That'd have been worse. Um, so when Julia returns, the cobra tries and fails to strike her. Tom rushes in and covers up the snake. Now he covers the snake, and he, the snake just starts, you know, going back and forth, right? Um, where are we? Where are we? Uh, and um, he, then he, uh, Tom, he uses the coat rack to lift the cobra and push it out the window. Now here's you know, the problem. You know how hard it is to push a, to push a, a snake off. A window so when it doesn't want to go. Yeah. Well, all right, folks. So let me just pause this right here. We're going to. And we're back. So uh, you now have 
So he's got he's got to use a coat rack to pick up the cobra and push it out the window. Now I said to Haley, here's the problem: if you're willing to buy that he used the coat rack to pick the cobra up, puts the cobra out the window and push the cobra off, falling that far, it's not like he's dropping on the temporary steeple. The cobra wouldn't die. No, the, the, the cobra would be like, all right, great, I'm on the ground. Away, yeah. Right, yeah, because snakes can do that. You know, I mean, they can fall off a tree. He's not going to kill yeah, them. What is a snake? A snake is nothing more than than bones and muscle. Yeah, I mean, and cartilage and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But it's not like there's organs and like I mean, it has organs. Yeah, but, I'm not saying there's not organs, but it's not like a human. Like so, what my thinking is, so then of course the snake turns back into to faith the morgue, right? Right. And Haley goes, well, maybe it died because it was a human. I said, honey, I said you saw there's a snake there, right? She goes, yeah. I go, snakes wouldn't die like that. Now, if he had said he hit it with something, but then the car screeches up and I go, oh, maybe that's what happens. See, I would have had them hit it. Just go, you know, kind of thing. And like, oh, no, he ran over the snake and then back up. And because you could run a snake over and kill it. But you aren't killing a snake by throwing it off the ledge. No. No. Now, if you threw it off the ledge of like, like, again, a really, really tall building. But this is a theater. It'll be two stories, three stories up. I've seen snakes survive more than that. Right. Kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, maybe maybe garter snakes are tougher than cobras. I don't know. But I'm just saying I, I doubt it. Yeah, I gotta tell you that the transformation from the snake into the woman is just not convincing. Nope. It's, it's the, the typical, you know, cheesy thing that you would have seen in any any fifties movies or forties movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, uh, and and then and Haley goes, okay, what's going to happen now? I go, the credits. I go, she goes, okay, the end. She goes, it can't say the end, Dad. We don't know what the resolution is to this. <laughs> and I said, welcome to the fifties, honey. I said they don't have they're out of money. She goes, but it can't be. So I press the display, and it says like, you know, uh, what, uh, eighty-one minute or whatever, you know, one hour twenty minute twenty-one, you know, fifty-six, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, done. And she goes, what? Like I was like, yeah. And Kelly's like on her phone. She goes, well, I don't even question it anymore, Haley. She doesn't even ask, right? So this was released um, as part of a box set. We talked about volume one, uh, you know, last time out. Oh no, I shouldn't say the, the time out for Incredible Shrinking Man, beginning of January. This was on Volume 2. This features Dr. Cyclops, which we've covered in the show, The Land Unknown, we've covered in the show, The Deadly Mantis, Leech Woman, we've covered in the show, and now this movie. So we've covered uh, out of the five, or the four of them, which is great. Uh, Screen Factory released the Universal Horror Collection Volume 6, a four-movie set, which also included uh, Cult of the Cobra, um, back in, 20, on, uh, in August of 2020. I have not seen that set in person, actually, so I have no idea if it's any good or not. But I can't imagine it's a whole lot different than this, um, you know, kind of thing. Uh, obviously, this movie, um, I mean, it has the word cult in the title, but it's be kind of kind of a cult movie, uh, not nearly like anything else. But it's because it's uh, it was syndicated on TV a lot back in the day. This is a movie they would show in the fifties and not the sixties and seventies. It's one of those movies that would be on the rotation of movies because. I'm sure Universal was not worried about making any money off it. They had to make some money, so they just put it into there. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, um, uh, uh, you know people from different things. Uh, Jack uh, Jack Kelly uh, was in Kings Row, Maverick, Sale of the Century. Richard Long was from you know we met Big Valley and The Nanny Professor. Marshall Thompson was an Angel. Uh, William Robinson, obviously the Islanders, the the Gallant Man, and the FBI. And David Johnson, of course, uh, was in. Um, the Fugitive, uh, Harry O, U.S. Treasury, a lot of TV work for these guys. A lot right. of TV. Work this was uh, this. Believe it or not, this was in uh, was on TCM back in yeah. October. Yeah. Uh, as uh, during the Halloween uh, fest that they have. Right. And then when they talked about it, they 
But it was really funny because usually when you watch it, something on TCM, they have a, a you know, a, a pre-movie and, a, and, a, mm-hmm. and an end movie. Uh, bumper. Yeah, the bumper Bumpers, that the yeah. guy's talking about. Yeah. And all they talked about was the, the actors. They didn't talk anything about the movie. Well, okay, so let's be honest. This movie no, no, I is, no, but is literally, it's it's friggin', it's Val Luton's Cat People from 42. This movie yeah. is just basically, they took, someone watched Val Luton's The, uh, the Cat People from 1942 and said, hey, let's make it a Cobra. <gasps> yeah, Cobra sounds good. And that's the movie they made. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's almost, there's almost scenes exactly the same. Not Cursed the Cat People, which right. was the sequel, but the original Cat People. This is that movie. But Val Luton did it better. Because well, Val Luton's a much better director. And the crazy part is, I'm watching this thinking to myself, going, huh, this reminds me a lot of uh, the cat people. Not even thinking about that. I'm like, and I'm thinking of the Natasha Hent, not Natasha Hentridge, um, I forgot her name, the one from the 80s, where they, where she turned, it, it, they came out, it's the cat, it's also the cat people, the yeah. remake media. I can't remember the, the Russian actress's name in it. Um, but yeah, but it's the same it's thing. Not and I'm like, Natasha Hentridge? No, I don't think so. Um, but it doesn't matter. I I, yeah. I, 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 get, I remember it was, but the thing is, but Val Luton's one uh, obviously was. I mean, Val Luton was the, was the the producer. He's not the director. Uh, um, uh, Jacques uh, Torrent was the director, right? So the thing is, when you uh, kind of realize that it's basically just retelling the Cat People story, yeah. it's well, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, the reason the Cat People the Cat People is much better than this is because of the atmospheric, uh, uh, the way he way it was shot. There's nothing going on here that's that's of any high quality. I right. Mean, okay. So the, okay, 1982's Cat People was Paul Schrader uh, and started Natasha uh, Kinsky and Malcolm McDowell and John Hurd. Yeah. I I just saw this, but I, I couldn't remember that. Um, but then then also, of course, Curse of the Cat People was 1944 um, was the sequel, um, and that's what the Panther where he's stalking her and right. whatever kind of thing. And the, the Cat People is fine, um, you know, kind of thing. Excuse me. The problem is, is that this movie is just not memorable because it's nothing new. But it was sold through so cheaply, a lot of people saw this movie because it was on TV a bunch. Wasn't this? Wasn't this on MST three? No, I don't. Not I yet. don't think so. I don't. I've seen this movie before, but this is not. I don't remember uh, Cult of the Cobra being on MST three K um, because, and I'm trying to think. I don't think it was a riff track of it. I'm trying to remember where it would have seen because I'm looking here. I don't see it anywhere being talked about and those and usually i would see that come up well maybe it was on uh, sven Gulli. oh sven Gulli probably show it, it yeah. it's cheap yeah. um because i've definitely seen it but it's the problem is it's just like cat people which i've seen also yeah. and course the cat people so um well, see, not, an 80 minute movie fits nicely in a two-hour time slot yes well but here's the thing and people think like oh well you know you guys cover these movies in february you have not like okay look i couldn't the leech woman like it was just it was just chock full of stock footage in an eighty-minute, it's an eighty-minute movie, and there's twenty-five minutes of stock footage of just animals and stuff, right? You know, we have other ones. We we pick movies where there's kind of like a love interest and a whatever kind of going on, right? And that's where this movie fits in because let's be honest, like the whole movie is about like they they screw up and then she comes in and she's the love interest who's murdering everybody. So it fits our criteria for February. Right. Um, whether or not it's any good or whether or not I'm ever going to watch it for a third time, I don't know. Um, but it's definitely a movie that if it was on, like it was on TMC, TCM or anyway, Turner Classic Movie, right? And it was on in the background. Okay. It's fine. It's on. It's not, it's not insulting. It's just not exactly memorable, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So um, 
And no one came out. There's no major stars that came out of here. It's not like this was like Steve McQueen's first movie or something like that, where you say, "Oh, but this is the movie that started." So it doesn't yeah. have anything memorable about it. No, but what? The, but what they? What the uh, uh, the announcer was talking about was that uh, it, it did a lot of the, the people here did go on to do a lot of television, right? And, and you know, people remember David Jansen as the Fugitive when when the Fugitive was on TV. It was the number one show, right? And yeah. the only reason why it had to end was that. People were getting sick and tired of him not catching the one-armed man yeah. when he had the opportunity, right. which which used to, it was really funny. Every three or four episodes, maybe maybe four or five episodes, the one-armed man would reappear. Otherwise, it was just the stock TV you know show from the mm-hmm. week where he may get he, he may get involved with a woman or a criminal or something like that. And that was what the critics the criticism was is that the the the, the shows where the one-armed man was there had the highest ratings. And the other ones didn't. And uh, then when they when they finally they they finally said, you know, the show is going to go in the tank. We better get the one on man caught. And that became I think it was a two hour episode or, or a two week episode. It was the highest rated sh- TV show up until that time. Right. Yeah. And, but and, but that's the problem is though that when you watch the fugitive, like the movie the fugitive, it's a movie yeah. with Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. Okay, it's a movie. You know, it's going to have an end. Like when the thing just keeps going on and on and on, you know, there are plenty of TV shows that keep going on and on and on. Nothing ever happens. And people get tired of them. Yeah, like the X-Files. Well, not just that. I mean, I'm thinking like Walking Dead. I'm thinking like oh. uh, Lost, like whatever. Things just yeah. start going on and on and on and on because they're like, do you have a hit on our hands? Well, the hit on your hands is a hit, but it's not going to hit forever if you never go anywhere. With yeah. It. Lost right? was was probably... Well, no, the, the, the writer's was, strike didn't help. That was, that was, yeah, but Lost was probably the biggest disappointment that I've ever had. Because I enjoyed that show, and it was—it seemed like it was moving in the right direction to coming up with an ending, mm-hmm. and then the ending just. Whoa. Yeah. Well, again, another story for another day. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. Did you see Cult of a Cobra on TV when you were a kid? Did you see it? Like, have you seen it somewhere? Um, did you watch it and say, "Hey, I thought this was," you know, when you're watching this, going, "Wait, this reminds me of the Cat People," something like that. Anything, anything you have, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, um, I doubt people, because again. Do you remember seeing this in the theaters? Me? You yeah, you. Yeah, you were in the live in the fifties. <laughs> no, I did not remember no. seeing. This. So I'm saying, so it's not memorable. But you remember seeing like other movies in the theaters. You would have seen like as part of a double feature, like the yeah, oh, yeah, right. This is not a movie that. So maybe this was one of them. Maybe it wasn't. But it certainly wasn't memorable enough to make an impression for you to remember seeing it. So anyway, folks, again. Uh, for those of you who say sometimes Dad and I bash them, we're not bashing this. We're just saying it's just not as good as other versions of it that have been out there. Um, but it, at the end of the day, um, it's 80 minutes. I watched it with my girl. Well, I watched some of it with my girls. Um, Haley asked questions about black and white filmmaking, um, which she learned something about. So there's always that. Uh, and, you know, like I said, we look for those movies for the February releases where there's somehow a love interest in it or something along those lines. Um, you know, our criteria get a little vague uh, sometime with that. But, uh, so what's coming up next? So obviously February, uh, being the short month, we only have the one release. So what's coming up for our anniversary episode? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the March episode is going to be from this same DVD set. It's going to be the last one in this set, the deadly mantis. We're going back to some big bugs. <laughs> so we had a little tiny guy. We did, uh, did start off the year. Then we had a lady who's a snake and now we got a big old bug who is going to, what is it? What is it? What is it? The Washington Monument? What is he? Atta- no. What is he? He's not the Washington Monument. What the heck is he yeah. attack? Is it Washington Monument where yeah, he lands no. on, hangs it, on the side no, of it? It's the, it, remember, it's the, uh, 
the giant claw that goes to the Empire State but, Building. Yeah, but I'm saying, but he's hanging on the side of, that's the scene, right? He's hanging on there. So we are going to talk about the Deadly Mantis, and that will be our anniversary episode for the uh, for the first episode of March. So, uh, folks, anything else on this? That I think we're no, I mean, the Deadly Mantis. I mean, yeah. We're going back to our roots. Yeah, Deadly Mantis. Yes, Deadly Mantis. So, and that will actually complete the uh, the sci-fi, the classic sci-fi Ultimate Collection Volume Two. If you don't have that, that thing usually is between twelve and sixteen dollars. Uh, like I said, Doctor Cyclops, Land Unknown, the Deadly Mantis, Leech Woman, and the Cult of the Cobra. All movies you can hear here on the uh, Bots, Bugs, and Babes podcast. Uh, well worth your time if you pick this one up. Sometimes you can get this and Volume 1 together in a combo for about 20 bucks. Um, well worth your time. It's yeah. eight you know, eight movies that are, some are better than others, but they're eight movies worth watching. So right, especially know. the Cyclops and, uh, yeah. and Land Unknown. Yeah. So it's funny. Is actually, I said to Kelly, I said, oh, I sent it to Haley too. I said, if they remade this movie, like this movie, this movie, so the, the woman coming out of the uh, the the, jar. the beginning jar, she'd be naked uh, with paint on her. Um, I said, and then uh, when you turned into a cobra, it would all be CG. Like this, and I'm thinking to myself going, as, as yes, we made kind of said that there wasn't a whole lot of money spent. I think I prefer the hand snake and the snake on a string to then really bad CG. Yeah. Like I would, well, but Dina, if, if this had, if they, again, this is 55, but if they had the, the CG from the movie it would have been well. That's not CG been. from there, Dad. There was no. That was just special effects. Special effects. You know, what, what, I'm, I meant. what I'm saying is, but they certainly weren't going to have a naked woman coming out of the uh, the an actual naked woman. She had to have clothes on. Whether you could see all her parts and goodies is one thing, but you could not. She wasn't naked. Naked. If this was now, she'd be naked. Naked coming out of there, right? Um, you know, kind of thing. And then they would put, put CG effects in. And if the CG effects were done well, great. But let's face it, most snake CG effects in movies are poorly done. So they're like they're like the Anaconda like sequels, like you know, uh, like Anaconda versus like you know, Croxzilla or something like that. You're like, oh, really? So I would I would rather see a snake on a string and a hand puppet with a snake head for a shadow than see bad CG. So well, yeah, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, you know. what I mean, but the the scene I mentioned in the beginning with the with, with that lady coming out. So I'm saying is that with, scene she be leotard? Naked. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but right, but if she's still wearing a leotard, now she'd be buck naked. And that'd be the whole thing of the scene. They're like, "Oh, it's so amazing!" It's like, okay, like it's a naked lady with paint on her, right? Kind of thing. But like, I'm just saying is that's where they would go with this, and then they would have to do the CG part. They wouldn't even try practical effects. They wouldn't even try makeup effects. Like, and the thing is this, and that's what Haley said at the end when the snake falls and dies, and she goes, "Oh, she had all her clothes on." I said, "Yes, she has all her clothes on." Haley, it's 1955. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> she dies, but not just her clothes. Her shawl yeah. also. See, it would be one thing if she was doing a dress, but she comes back, and it's not just a dress. She has her shawl and her purse and everything. There's one thing, one thing I can I can guarantee you, Jay, this will not be remade. No. But they could have. They, no, they could have. No. Could have, should have, would have is the, uh, yeah. the well, thing here. But anyway. again, uh, this is uh, is this a movie that uh, I would ever watch again? I Like you said, if it was on TCM or it was on, yeah, uh, it's, it's not you know, on American Movie Classics, and I've got it's, it's a background thing. Sure, yeah. I'd leave it on. Sure. All right, folks. So, uh, like I said, Dad and I will be back uh, with our our first episode of March, which is our anniversary episode, where we're going to talk about the Deadly Mantis. So, until then, keep those cards and letters coming, and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, 
an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at Two True Freaks. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at bots bugsbabes at gmail.com If you'd like to find me online I'm on Facebook under my name Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group You can visit my Facebook page The Art of Horror Collective and you can search the hashtag The Art of Horror Collective On Instagram, find me under my name Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag The Art of Horror Collective as well as the new hashtag BotsBugsBabesPodcast I'm the only one using them I'm also on Twitter at Jason Giaconetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, and entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow! There is no tomorrow! There is no tomorrow! Will you stop?